0: This is Curious Minnesota, a Star Tribune project that sends staff from the state's largest newsroom hunting for the answers to great questions we receive from you, our readers. We're here to answer everything you want to know about the state's people, places, and culture.
1: Welcome to Curious Minnesota. I'm your host, Eric Roper. In some parts of Minnesota, buying a case of beer or a bottle of wine means visiting a city-owned liquor store, or Muni, as these municipal operations are sometimes called. Tim Bulfer, a listener of this podcast, wanted to know how Minnesota cities got in the business of selling alcohol. Today we're talking with Maya Marshall-Hoff, who dug into the Prohibition-era history of this law for Curious Minnesota while interning for the Star Tribune. But first, here's Tim.
2: So I grew up in Fairmont, Minnesota, and it's a city of five lakes and 10,000 people and one liquor store. And I always thought that that was normal until I moved to the Twin Cities, and then eventually now I moved to Wisconsin. And out here, it seems like you can buy liquor at anywhere, at your local quilt shop if you wanted. And I always thought it was kind of weird that the city would be in the business of vice you know you'd think a city would want to have people drink less but at the same time they want the revenue from selling alcohol and it's sort of strange it's almost like if a city had a city-owned casino or a city-owned cigarette store or now with laws changing like a city-owned marijuana dispensary and so I always kind of wondered why Minnesota has municipal liquor stores, and if other states have the same thing.
1: Well, Maya, thank you so much for joining us. So municipal liquor stores, I didn't grow up here. I've, I've seen a couple around. Um, you grew up in Minnesota. Tell us what a municipal liquor store even is. What What is this concept? Because it's unusual. It's got a whole history, which we're going to get into. But what are we even talking about?
0: So municipal liquor stores, if anyone grew up in Minnesota, you know of them. Um, they are your family-friendly corner store run by the government that sells alcohol. Basically, they are a government-owned liquor store Mm -hmm. um, that are set up by their communities, and they're run by their cities.
1: And in these cases, these cities and towns, they are allowed to create a monopoly. I mean, it's not like they're competing with other private stores in town. They are allowed to just exclude other private stores, right? Right.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. Especially if you're in a smaller town. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that could be because they can't attract a private business because they're so small. But it's kind of a, a bureaucratic monopoly yeah. where they're using the, all those sweet funds to mm-hmm. fund city stuff. Yeah.
1: So our reader sort of pointed out, you know, he moved to Wisconsin and he realized that they didn't have this thing. And so he was sort of thinking how strange it is that you're sort of buying alcohol from the government that cities here are in the vice business As he put it. But I mean, actually, nationally, it's not uncommon to buy alcohol from the government, but it's usually just not a city, right?
0: Yeah. So many of the states in the U.S. are actually what you call control states. So 17 of them have governments where they control the wholesale and distribution of liquor, Mm -hmm. whether it's beer or wine. And then they also just have retailers. Some states do. In Minnesota, we have a mixed bag of both municipal liquor stores and private stores where the cities have the control over their liquor sales rather than the state.
1: Okay. So there's 17 states that are control states. And so the, all of those states control the wholesale distribution of liquor in some way. And it's all, it's all there's a lot of nuance to this. And we can link to all the policies in the show notes if people want to look them all up uh, individually. But, and a lot of the states have stores, right? Like they're state-run stores. And so it's weird here in Minnesota, and there's a couple other states that are kind of like this, and there's a map on the story, is that the state does not control the distribution of liquor, but cities can get into the control business on the retail side of things, right? Yeah. Okay. Liquor laws are like this crazy patchwork, so it's a little hard to describe, <laughs> to describe it. For sure. Uh, and we will link to all the more information in the show notes if people want to get lots more information about that. Okay, so we've set up what we're talking about. And as always, as often is the case on this podcast, we've got to go way back in time and talk about the history. So we're going to go back to Prohibition era, Prohibition 1920 to 1933, which I guess I forgot how long Prohibition lasted. That was a very long time But 1933 rolls around. Prohibition is repealed. And then what happens? I mean, it's a a big moment for all the states, right?
0: Yeah. So when Prohibition ended, the states were kind of left in the wild, wild west. And Minnesota decided that the counties are going to determine whether or not they want to control liquor or not. So whether or not they want to be dry or wet.
1: Okay, so not just controlling it, but whether it can even be sold in the county, essentially?
0: Yeah. Eventually, the cities caught on to what was happening, and they wanted in. So they started lobbying for their own control over these stores.
1: Oh, okay. And so we found a a headline here that we put on the story, and it's one of these sort of just big headlines. It says, Towns of State Demand Control of Liquor Sales, which ends up being the sort of, crucial clip in this whole thing because it's like oh okay here's the moment where they kind of staked their claim and you know the reader wanted to know why why would these towns basically want in and you have a quote in here from a mayor and it kind of answers the question who is this person talking here
0: this guy is named mayor a.e Knutsen, and he was the mayor of detroit lakes
1: this is the scandinavian mayor of detroit lakes in yes. 1933
0: oh for sure uh-huh <laughs> And this pinnacle quote, he said, The local community is best able to cope with the situation. The liquor problem affects the home community first. It is an infringement on the rights of the municipalities and home rule if we are to place the control of this problem in either state or national governments.
1: Okay, so they passed this law. And so is it just, are they just creating liquor stores or is it more complicated than that?
0: Yeah, so what they call it is on sale and off sale. So off sale, your classic liquor store on sale is a bar. um, Mm -hmm. And in some cases, a bar and grill or a restaurant that sells alcohol. So it can be either of these or both.
1: So you can have like a municipal bar or a municipal liquor store or both.
0: Yeah, they can be connected. In a lot of places, they actually are connected.
1: Okay. All right. So some counties were dry, but the wet counties, you know, you could have a municipal so the cities could decide, you know, what they wanted to do, municipal liquor store or not have a monopoly. So Do cities start to embrace this? And and what are the reasons why? I mean, if you're a city, it's kind of like, you know, nowadays we would think about this like, well, do you really want to get into the liquor business? Why were some cities kind of interested in doing this?
0: So initially coming out of the gates, everyone's still in the prohibition mindset Mm -hmm. where they very much still wanted to have control over liquor because it was still this kind of Crazy taboo thing, right. apparently, but um, yeah, which is hard to imagine now. But
1: <laughs> in yeah. an era when we can buy THC and grocery store <laughs> stuff like that, and, and gas stations and what have you, they would be appalled. <laughs> yeah, THC gummies. Yeah, the, all, lots has changed since 1933. Yeah. But anyway, go on.
0: Basically, they wanted to have control over the sales of liquors, um, depending on their own community standards. Mm-hmm. So whether or not they wanted to sell kegs or certain products or the amount of liquor.
1: Okay. But then they start to realize some other benefits to this?
0: Yeah, they caught on to the revenue part. Okay. They saw the money flowing in and they said, hey, we can light the baseball park down the street or we can help fix our sewers with this money. Right. So kind of turned into more of that.
1: Yeah, and you noted in the story a couple referendums where that revenue is playing a key motivating factor for people as they're sort of deciding whether to get into this. Okay, so fast forwarding to today, sort of on that revenue piece, I mean, some of these stores are making a fair amount of money, right? I mean, who's sort of raking it in?
0: Yeah, so not surprisingly, in the metro area, those stores tend to make more money. Leading the pack in 2021, Apple Valley raked in a whopping $1.7 million. Oh,
1: okay. And that's profits going to the general fund. There. Yes. That okay. is
0: deposited into the city's general fund to do with whatever the city decides to do with it.
1: Okay. And, you know, I mean, not everybody is making that much money. There's a few stores that are losing money, but they're all not in the metro. Right.
0: Right. So in 2021, there were 13 stores in the whole state that actually lost money. 12 of them were in greater Minnesota. A lot of the high earnings stores are in the metro area inherently, probably because okay. of population.
1: Yeah. Back to the control question, which again, I guess it feels to us maybe a little outdated or, you know, because we're sort of loosening up with Sunday sales was legalized and all these things. Is it still a function of the municipal liquor store to be controlling alcohol? I mean, how, what, what did we learn about that?
0: Most definitely. When researching this, it really reminded me of the whole debate about flavored tobacco and products geared towards a younger audience. Mm -hmm. Um, So similar to that, a lot of liquor stores have regulations about that. So for example, the St. Anthony liquor store, they don't want to sell products that younger kids might see and want. Mm -hmm. For example, frozen alcohol pops. Okay. If a parent bought those and brought them home and put them in our freezer. And then a kid thought it was just a freezy or an otter pop and ate it. That Mm -hmm. would probably be a problem. Right. Right.
1: You know, you sort of had an interesting coda to this, which is that these become sort of a, and one person called them a mini city hall. Why would a liquor store or a bar be sort of a, a mini city hall?
0: Yeah. So talking to all these liquor store managers, I kind of learned that this is really a huge touchstone for community members. Mm-hmm. They get a lot more traffic from people in the city than other government buildings do. For example, thousands of people come to a liquor store every year, but not as many people go to City Hall. Okay. So it's just kind of like this common place where people can have these discussions about what's going on in the city, um, have very like candid, comfortable Um, free-flowing questions about it. And a lot of these managers actually stay up to date on what's happening in the city because they want to be able to contribute to these conversations. They want to be able to answer questions because they're still part of the government. Right,
1: right. And one of my jobs around it here at Curious Minnesota is to find the fun old photos to fill these stories. And I just sort of stopped in my tracks when I found a photo that you can see on the story of these twin sisters, uh, Jean Durant and Jeanette Abel. And they're at the Rogers Municipal Bar and Liquor Store and they're wearing identical shirts. And what else are you seeing in this uh, image here? It's like a classic Minnesota image.
0: I'm seeing the regulars in the background chugging some beer and their (laughs) thick framed glasses. Right.
1: Exactly. Well, cool. Great. Well, this is such an interesting history. And I think that it's something we kind of take for granted, right? But it's it's both unusual and it has a whole history to it.
0: Yeah. It's the most Minnesotan way to regulate liquor for sure.
1: (laughs) Well, Maya, thanks so much. Okay, that's it for today's show. Thanks, as always, to Matt Gilmer for editing this podcast. Do you have a question you'd like to see us tackle or feedback for us? Send us a note at curious at And if you're enjoying this podcast, please tell a friend about it. Thanks.
0: Thanks for listening to Curious Minnesota. We want to hear from you. Ask questions and read more stories online at startribune.com backslash curious. Our show is recorded at the Star Tribune's headquarters in beautiful downtown Minneapolis. And our music is produced by Matt Gilmer. If you like the show, please rate us on iTunes or leave a review. And until next time, stay curious.